Welcome to No Nonsense Nonprofit, where you can get actionable tips and tools to advance your mission work. I'm your host, Sarai Johnson, founder and principal consultant at Lean Nonprofit. I started Lean Nonprofit because nonprofits are businesses too, and I want to help you run yours like a boss. So enjoy today as we talk about No Nonsense Nonprofits. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast today. No Nonsense Nonprofit today is featuring David Betke, who is the founder of Avatar Brand Management. He's been helping do-gooders of all types reach their goals for the past quarter century. And right now he runs the Brands with Heart Facebook group, which we would love to have you join. Um, I'm a part of that group and that's one way that I've connected with David and have seen his awesome work in the world. And I'd love to invite you guys to be there too. And he also has a page on Facebook under the same name, Brands with Heart. So I'd love for you to start, David, by telling us a little bit about how you got into the work of helping do-gooders reach their marketing and communications goals. Well, kind of weird. It's, it's a, almost an accidental business for, for me. I, uh, about a quarter century ago, I was uh, in, the, in the late 80s. Uh, I was living uh, in a small community, a uh, small forested community in British Columbia, and uh, a large tract of temperate rainforest uh, was uh, slated to uh, be made into a park. And everybody was was so excited about this. And then, you know, a couple of months later, the government changed, and all of a sudden, these logging roads started to go through this proposed park. So uh, at that point in time, I had a huge part of my community was out on a, a roadblock trying to stop this, you know, to so we could start talking about this park we had been promised, and. Uh, Essentially, you had, you know, children to 90-year-old grandmothers on this park, along with the RCMP, who were, you know, reluctantly arresting these people for, you know, and it was, it was just a terrible thing. So uh, what uh, a couple of friends and I did is we thought about, what, what, how can we split the scenario from it can be either parks or jobs, why can't we talk about something and creating an and? Why can't we? Why can't everybody win here? Because you know the neighbors, you know, that are making their living in the forest. They're our neighbors. You know, we, we don't want to take away their livelihood either. However, we don't want to, you know, destroy this for for future generations. So we started discussing what we could do to have the and. And uh, in the meantime, what I did is I designed a, a number of. Uh, kind of cheeky environmental t-shirts that were uh, just just more based on humor and they really got the conversation going. And I started traveling across the country from university to university and uh, talked to the press anytime they would listen to me. And uh, I sold these t-shirts to get from school to school. And I, I uh, crossed the country over a dozen times. And that's a lot of, a lot of miles. <laughs> and uh, basically, Basically, sold these T-shirts in a in a in a town for a, a week, and uh, then I'd create a lot of demand because not all students could afford them that week. So uh, I'd go into a couple of stores in the community, and I would uh, tell them I can bring new people into your stores if you carry my T-shirts. And of course, to carry my T-shirts, you also have to carry a petition to basically put a moratorium on this this road building until we can have this discussion about the and as opposed to the either or. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, you know, they would take, they would carry the, the letter writing campaign and the petition. And uh, to make a long story short, uh, after uh, opening up 180 stores myself, uh, basically also selling accounts, opening up accounts to 180 stores, uh, we won the park and the wonderful thing is uh, the idea that we came up with is to high grade the, the lumber uh, from around the park areas, selectively log, and sell it as eco wood to instrument manufacturers and toy manufacturers and, and people who just want very sustainably produced uh, wood for their construction. 25 years later, there's still jobs and we have a park forever. So the, the, the original park is there forever and, and we've got jobs. So that kind of parlayed into uh, a lot of companies and nonprofits asking me, you know, well, how can we, how can we 
help promote our cause? How can we do things? And, I, and I, I, I'm going to back up for a second. As far as the company part goes, I will only work with companies who have strong corporate social responsibility principles. So, you know, if, they, if they're giving back to the community, they've got my heart behind them. And, and when they've got the, my heart behind them, they've got my copy and, and all the, the wonderful things I learned, lessons I learned in that campaign and on the road. Yeah. So I started doing that and helping uh, nonprofits and, and, and uh, actually local governments as well with, with social marketing programs. So there, there's yeah. my story in that show. <laughs> so it's a wonderful story. And I, I think that what is so interesting about your approach that I really, really love is your focus on the and instead of our kind of natural human and cultural tendency, which is to create binary options all the time. Like, okay, it's this or this, this or that. You can't have both. You can't have an and. It's this person against that person. And we're always creating some other that we're fighting against or disagreeing with. And instead of being able to bring people together to actually make progress on something and to come up with a solution that is positive for everybody, we get really stuck in our entrenched ways of thinking and our own individualized kind of demands. So one of the things that you do is you talk about creating safe space with copy. And I think that's a really cool thing to do because as nonprofits, we all have our cause. We all have something we're interested in. We're basically all trying to convince somebody of something that we think or believe in so that we can get their support or so we can make a change. And making change is never easy. It does require people to think differently than they might think now. And it makes us, it does require that we change our behaviors sometimes. Um, and so you are able to do something that I think is really unique in the branding world, in the, in the marketing world, where you talk about creating that safe space so that we can have the and conversation. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, I think, you know, that this, and you really touched on it very, very, very elegantly is, is, is about this this ideas of, of of either or they 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 lead into this this they they lead directly into if we can create an either or scenario we're also creating at the same time an us versus them scenario right because either you know if, if you're either or you're against us or you're for us you know right. and and I, I i reject all those i i think that it they're limited thinking and i think we need to look beyond this idea of either or and us and them and we need to believe, start talking about, you know, honoring the person we're talking to. I mean, it's not self-centered. Everything that we're doing on this planet is, is a together thing. We're this great we. And we need to honor the person across the table or the organization across the table or the audience, you know, that we're working with. I, I really, when I start working with, with anyone, they are not my customer. They are my partner. Their audience is my customer because they're the ones we both have to honor together. Right. Yeah, that's definitely true. I think that's good. And, and ultimately, I mean, if we're being honest about our role as nonprofits, our work is intended naturally to be collaborative and to be something that's driven forward by partnering with other people in the community, within our organization, outside our organization, and all around us to create a social benefit. And that's how we're set up and that's how we're supposed to operate, but it is really a challenge to get there sometimes. Um, so can you tell us about how you create safe space with copy? Like how you can kind of create that ability for people to transcend the either or conversation and instead move forward in a different way uh, and how you help the different companies and nonprofits and government agencies that you work with to create that kind of copy. Yeah, I, I think I'll, I'll, you have to kind of set up a couple of, of, of things in, in, in the beginning to, to lead to, to creating a safe space. And that's one of that, one of those is having pure intent for your audience. And, and you know we as nonprofits and causes we we're, we're so passionate about our cause but sometimes you know that passion can almost be confrontational with our donors or our, our audiences because our you know our passion for doing something good may not be perfect for, for them so we have to re really have pure intent and understand where they're coming from so we can create the safe space for a conversation and a lot of times with this, with a, you know, to, to set up this conversation, we have to kind of uh, 
break them out of this 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 frame of mind where where we're coming and they're they're almost defensive because sometimes we come so hard that we we pretty much sound like a salesman we sound <laughs> like a, a easy car salesman because we're so passionate about one thing but we're not honoring how that's going to help them it's so important to understand where they're coming from because in in you know in in essence, it's also where we're coming from. We have to understand that it's, you know, that, that there is no separation here. And, and if we can start talking about, if, if we can start empathizing and feeling about what their needs are, we can frame our message in terms of their needs. And also in terms of how they want to, or how they not want to, but need to consume information. Because there's, you know, there's obviously, people who are very, very logical, logic-based, and there's very, people who are very, very, uh, I guess, creative and abstract, you know, based in, in how they interpret and how they can consume information. So the, the message has to be really, really framed in a way that kind of speaks to that side of the brain mm -hmm. as opposed to just, you know, this marketing message that sounds more like a sales message. Right. I like that because it's it's uh, you're starting from the very, very beginning with the concern of who you're trying to communicate with in mind. So it's not just about you advancing your cause or getting someone to agree with you. It's about creating a place for whoever it is that you're talking with or whomever you're trying to convince to um, to find the ability to make their life better. Right. So it's not just you getting what you want, but it is about that other person that you're interacting with um, finding something better for themselves than what they might exist, currently experience. Most definitely. It, it has to be a balance. You know, if, if the balance is far on one side and either way, it's just not, you're going to create in it, you're going to just innately create this either or scenario mm -hmm. because I feel like I'm, I'm getting more, they're getting more to, you have to find a balance that honors both, parties to, to create this and and it's it's a bridge instead of a dam mm -hmm. metaphorically right yeah yeah that's great so the, what would you say is kind of the next step as far as how to to communicate in this way well i i think the messages have to be uh taken from the uh, the, the abstract and made concrete and that's a, it's a really tough one for a lot of a lot of people who aren't you know kind of born marketers, I guess, as it were, or born communicators that they, they use statistics a lot. And we do that a lot with nonprofits. We tend to use statistics a lot and, and numbers, uh, they're very abstract. And, and specifically when you, when you look at a great deal of, of information, it, 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 it just basically is, is becomes this, this mountain of, of, of numbers that almost appears like a, a graphic you know it, they're, they're, it, it means nothing so uh, what we like to do is we like to you know, make those messages turn those numbers into something human something that, that humans can understand and you know right away like we were talking about earlier uh, instead of saying 33% of the people you know in this room will whatever that may be why not say look to your right look to your left you're sitting in the middle, one of the three of you will, and then that's immediately made concrete and people can glom onto that. Um, last week, you and I were talking about uh, that uh, dimensional story we created for the women's shelters. And I think that's, uh, do you mind if I tell the story of that yeah, one? I would love that. I think it's a really, really powerful piece and that would be really awesome to hear about. I think this is really, I, I think it kind of gives a lot of, uh, information about making the abstract concrete but also kind of the safe spaces and everything we were tasked with you know it's, it's really a hard there, there's a there's a fine line between uh raising money for women's shelters and you know bringing up the statistics of of spousal abuse because they can be some very very disturbing uh statistics and when you're talking to male business leaders the last thing you want to do is obviously put them on the defensive right away if you want to help you know, get their contribution to your cause. So we were uh, tasked with coming up with a giveaway 
for uh, these male business leaders for this fundraising event for women's shelters to make up for the uh, deficit in uh, funding for women's shelters between what the, the government was giving and uh, what the shelters really required. Uh, so uh, we were working with a really quite a, a, a wonderful, open-minded person there, and uh, I, I said to her, you know, let's not do this this $12 giveaway that, you know, these guys are going to forget within, you know, hours of this event, and, and we've just basically thrown our money out the window. Let's come up with something that's going to really, really impact them, you know, for years to come. Let's spend $10 on the story and creating the safe space and $2 on whatever this little tchotchke may be. But the tchotchke is very important in this, in this story because it, it does make the abstract concrete. So what we did is uh, we uh, created this kind of magazine type cover. It was a, a small fourfold uh, fourfold piece and on the cover of, of this piece was uh, a picture of the earth from space with the sun rising over it and it simply read light travels at 300,000 kilometers or 186,000 miles per second that was quick math <laughs> <Stop>. wow <laughs> I know I couldn't do that, but I'm American, so I don't bother learning other systems of measurement. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, light takes about uh, eight point some minutes to travel from our light source to the Earth. And the last statistic was it takes approximately one year for us to travel around our light source, the sun. And as they opened it up, this piece was this small little flat flashlight, this $2 flashlight that uh, we could use to mount to uh, a cell phone or something to give to our, our partners so they could feel safe in a parking garage or something like that. And of course, you know, people will say, well, why don't you just use the flashlight on their cell phones? Well, sorry, I said a quarter century, so that was before cell phones. <laughs> <laughs> And really, you know, we didn't have flashlights on our cell phones until, what, seven, eight years ago? And yeah. that's, you know, it was just before this happened. So we mounted this on this card, and there was this kind of this graphic light beam that went across the inside of the card, and it read, now that we've shared the facts about light, let's shed some light on the facts. And as we opened up the, the, the third fold, we had some facts that if we – hit these gentlemen with these facts all from a statistical standpoint, I think like any human being, they would just turn off because you can't take a lot of negative information without your defense mechanisms kicking in and going, I can't handle this. And we just naturally turn off. So what we did is we, everything was in relation to light. So in the time that it takes the light to travel from the sun to the earth and back, and a child, a woman or a child will be, will have been assaulted by an intimate par partner. In the time it takes the light to travel around our light source, 13,000 women and children, children will have been helped by Alberta's women's shelters. Unfortunately, an equal amount will have been turned away. Now you met, notice I never mentioned males. I never mentioned anything about abuse as far as who was, you know, responsible for abuse. It was just creating a safe space to have this conversation in based on, you know, most of these leaders were very, very logical left brain. So we put those in terms of science. Mm -hmm. And then the last part of this card opened up and we enabled them. We made it easy for them to act immediately, obviously financially, these are the ways you can donate financially. But more important, we gave them resources for how to set up programs in their businesses to identify women at risk, to help women at risk, sometimes in trans transition between their situation right now and the shelter. Uh, so so uh, several different ways to enable action. And years later now, 
guys are coming up and they're still saying, you know, that stupid little flashlight, I, you know, I would have forgotten it, you know, in minutes, but because of how you touched me with your story, uh, every time I see that flashlight, it reminds me of how you touched me and how you changed my thinking. Mm -hmm. So it's, it, 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 it obviously made it through to these guys in a very, very safe way. And it created this, this safe space for them to develop these wonderful programs. And the, the, the coolest thing I think is, is these guys, so many of these guys have actually ran with these programs and they've created things that we could have never even imagined on our own. So we just, we just enabled this beautiful seed to, to, to take, take, uh, take hold and sprout and bloom into this, these wonderful, wonderful programs they're creating. That's really awesome. I love that so many, in so many ways, like partly because it's, it's beautiful for one and, and touching. And I think that when you were talking about, you know, looking to the left and looking to the right and like including yourself in the equation of, you know, this percentage of people, whatever, I, I think that all of the things you're talking about make it so, so real and allow you to actually turn on your empathy and other people's empathy rather than creating that defensive, um, posture that people might tend to take if you're speaking in more kind of blaming terms or in the more traditional terms that are like, okay, well, we've heard this before. So we're a little desensitized to it. Or, you know, not only men do this or not only women, blah, blah. You know, it's, we get really argumentative about things when they kind of hit us in the face. And so when the way you're talking about this, it just like, it creates sort of curiosity on the part of the audience and then allows them to be receptive to the message when you give it to them because you give it to them in a loving way. So it's not like, you know, all the guys are bad guys and, you know, evil people abuse people, but just changing that language and changing the context of how they're getting that message is a really powerful way to make the abstract concrete and allow people to be open and receptive to hearing what that message is. Most definitely. That's cool. Uh, so what else, uh, what else would you say you do kind of to create that space and perpetuate the process that you're, that you're talking about starting? Well, I think it, like I said, uh, one, one of the things is, is, is enablement and it is continually enabling them to, to be successful. And when we talk about enablement, it's so important. Uh, and, and I'm just going to kind of go off on a tangent for a bit here. If you look at some of the most successful brands, on the planet and I'm, I'm gonna you know everybody uses Apple but they don't they're not going to use it in, in this way that I'm going to use it <laughs> I think that Apple um, and and their ilk and, and I can go into several others but we'll use Apple is so successful because they enable the beauty of the human spirit they mm. enable individuals to flower their technology enables individuals to to they, they've just given them these amazing programs but then the individual creates something that just is mind blowing. And then when we start collaborating with, you know, these, these tools they've given us to enable us, we create these amazing things together that, you know, are so much greater than the, the sum of the, the parts and, you know, so much greater than, than, than the visionary could have ever imagined in the first place. So I think, you know, in creating these, ways to enable people and you know enabling these gentlemen for instance in this scenario with the women's shelters you 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 give them ideas and you give them seeds and you give them resources but you don't constrict them by saying this is the path to do this you can only give money or you can only do it this way no you have to create these beautiful roads for them and then they can decide which road they're going to take or whether they're just going to walk you know between clean roads and down the forest and make their own path and create something amazing, which they did, mm -hmm. right? It's, if, if they can enable them, if we can enable them individually and just give them some seeds, they'll plant them everywhere and we'll see, you know, beautiful gardens of flowers. <laughs> and then the other thing is just to really, really continually, um, honor their efforts because, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's nice to say thank you for the money, but for, for these gentlemen who have created these amazing paths and amazing programs, we really need to honor the sacrifice that they made, you know, to, to, to create these programs. We need to 
honor their creativity and their, their souls for, for doing this. So we continually have to not just recognize, but really honor that sacrifice and, you know, thank them for, for really understand everything that they've done, you know, and the sacrifice and the, the, the time and everything that they've done to, to make this happen. Mm-hmm. So, I love that. And I was going to say, I think one of the, there are two things that come out for me in what you just said. One of them is you're giving your audience all the credit in the world from the start. Like you have your pure intent. And part of that pure intent, I think, is you recognizing the self agency of all of the people who will receive your message and their complete and total capability to make a difference, whether that is on the prescribed ways that you're saying for them. Um, like you could take this class or you could start a program just like this and here are the parameters for that and here's the lingo we use in the field and so you know you should use this same jargon or anything like that it you don't have to do that to allow people to take something and run with it and create something better than you would have ever even been able to instruct them to create because we're honoring that seed of the human spirit of being able to create something from nothing or to be able to be inspired by a cause and to make a difference however they can without us having to maintain ownership over what the shape is. So there was a second thing though that I thought was really cool. So you were talking about Apple. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember the exact words that you used, but I wrote down some part of it, but it was something like, that apple enables the human spirit to flourish or to, you know, blossom or something. And I I think it's funny because Apple wouldn't necessarily use that as like their tagline per se. But what I love about talking about it that way, uh, talking about a brand that way and kind of what they accomplish that way is that you're making it so big and so inspirational that almost anything can fit into that container to allow that to actually come to fruition. Um, and that you're, you're able to see on the big picture what it is that they're actually accomplishing. Because it's not just like we make computers so people can do stuff on computers. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like we create a scenario where technology can be used to allow all of humanity to reach its full potential or something like yeah. that, you know? Uh, yeah. And I think that's really powerful as well. It's kind of thinking in these grand terms about what it is that we're trying to accomplish in the work that we do every day. Yes. And I'm going to, I want to use a kind of a, it's not even a metaphor. This is just plain truth. How I, how my soul and brain work. I, I see brands as alive. Like I see everything around me is alive and it has been since I was a kid, you know, it's, it, everything's totally alive. So I see brands, you know, as, as living creatures. And unfortunately some of them are, a lot of them are kind of these half dead zombie monsters. And it's not because, you know, they're, they have bad intent. It's just because they haven't really worked on putting the hearts in the open, inviting, welcoming arms into their brand. But, you know, I think it really speaks to, to how, you know, this, the, a brand should, could communicate with its audience from a human to a human. And I think so many, so many brands and, and a brand can be just an individual. Let's not talk, think of them as these nebulous, massive organizations. You're, you are a personal brand, but when you speak to your audience um, from that detached standpoint of the brand is an organization speaking, speaking to a human, you can't have these human conversations. They're just, they, it doesn't make sense. But when the brand becomes human, and becomes sentient and becomes, you know, has this beating heart, it can then be able to communicate. It can, you know, give a virtual hug to its audience, you know, and and it can really, really communicate on such a profound level with its audience. Mm -hmm. I think one thing that also strikes me about looking at it that way is that it requires us to let go of fear that we might have around the sort of, sense of utter control. I mean, this, I mean, a lot of this is going back to control, honestly. So it's let, letting go of our need to control our audience and their behavior and their reaction and what we want from them. Um, and it also goes beyond our need to control our own 
kind of way that we present, right? So it's, it's taking off layers of masks that we wear. It's taking off our need to kind of cloak our brand in some sense of whatever persona we want to create and allowing the truth of what it is and who we are and what, who we are behind that brand um, into the world instead of it being like, hey, this is, we believe these things and we've listed out core values and these are the colors that we use and this is the language in which we use and our voices, blah, blah, blah. And instead of, of doing it that way, allowing our humanity to show through, which requires a lot of courage and a, and a total ability to be vulnerable um, and to put ourselves sometimes at risk because it is really challenging when you put yourself out there whether it's as an organization or as a person or both, you're inviting people to interact with you. And sometimes that will be negative interaction. Sometimes it'll be positive interaction, but you let go of the, the need and the ability to control how people respond to you. But, but you give them credit for their own, you know, sentient nature, <laughs> their own <laughs> ability to respond in, in whatever way makes sense for them at that time. I love how eloquently you summarize. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thank you very much. Um, that's why I have a podcast, I guess. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so one of the other things that you have said that I really appreciate, uh, and I actually shared a post about this recently that a friend of mine wrote um, about, and he's actually in for-profit sales, and he was talking about how we manipulate people so ruthlessly uh, in our sales copy and in the way that we talk to them and how we try to convert sales and, and people to act. Um, and you talk about converting with compassion. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about your take on that and like how we communicate as humans to another human um, to inspire them, but not necessarily to trick them or manipulate them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, you know, I, this, I think so many people these days are learning from these, the, the, the internet marketing gurus who to me have come out of the late night infomercial scene, right? <laughs> and they've got this, this idea of false scarcity and, and, and uh, the, the burning platforms, I think is another, another term they use. And, and it's this idea that, you know, that, if you don't buy it right now, my magic fairy dust is going to disappear at midnight, you know, and, and this idea, can you imagine walking into, you know, your local grocery store and, you know, going for a can of soup and them telling you, yeah, better grab that can of soup or it's going to disappear at midnight, you know, really? <laughs> <laughs> it makes no sense. It's just, it, 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 Anyways, beyond that, beyond it not making sense, I, I, it's also very sleazy and manipulative, and I just, I just don't like the way that it, that, it, that it plays out. You know, if we're talking to human beings, we're having this conversation, we want something from them. Innately, that's what business is. That's what, what, what nonprofit work is. We want something from them. So if we want something from them, we have to be able to give something equally and not, you know, just this manipulative stream. It's, it's create this beautiful sense of the possibilities that lie on the other side of that bridge. And instead of saying, get on the bridge and then I'm going to throw a, you know, I'm going to light the, the bridge on fire. So you have to run across the other side. Why not, you know, metaphorically put out your hand and go, take my hand. Let's walk into the world of possibilities together. And, you know, what, one of the kind of the frames that I use with this is, is, is it's, it's kind of a play on opportunity cost. And it basically showing people, you know, what this could look like in the future should we, you know, move together and co-create this solution. Mm. And, you know, what are the costs? And the costs don't necessarily have to be framed in financial terms. But it depends on, you know, what, what the, the ultimate goal is. But, you know, here's where we are right now and here's where you're going. Now, how much is that going to cost you an opportunity by not doing this right now? You know, and, and having this beautiful, honorable conversation between the two of us saying, you know, okay, if you got help today, you know, you, you basically, you could solve this issue and we could move forward together and you know, you would start having whatever this goal is, 
you know, in the future. However, if you don't do anything today, you know, basically every day that you're not doing anything, you're essentially, you're, you're losing the ability to achieve that vision incrementally. And now, like I said, it doesn't necessarily have to be framed in economic terms. It can be, it can be framed in, 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 in so many different terms, depending on, you know, what, what that goal is. Sometimes it's a social action, you know, for instance, with the, with the women's shelters, every day that, you know, we don't set up this program, you know, we're, we're seeing, you know, per, perhaps, you know, X amount of ladies and, and children who are not going to be able to be helped by, by these shelters. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and it's, it's not a guilt thing at all. It's just basically putting the, taking the abstract and making it very concrete. Right. I mean, you're talking about real consequences and not that, I mean, what you're, I think you're calling basically manufactured scarcity where we're creating urgency about something that's not really the real thing, but instead at the expense in some cases of not creating urgency about the thing that actually does matter, which is whatever outcome we're working toward together and trying to, to make real in the world is, you know, we want more people to be protected from intimate, intimate partner violence, or we want to be able to, you know, have a park and jobs, you know, and those kinds of conversations that are a lot different than, and sign up now, or you'll lose all these things. And so if we're following some kind of like sales page template that an internet marketer per, per se maybe gave us, then we are not honoring that. And I think what, the, what just keeps coming through more and more and more as you talk is your sense of how valuable your audience is no matter who they are. It's, it, it's really amazing to me how it's almost like you're holding them sacred in like a really authentic way that I don't really hear from other marketers like ever, you know, you're giving them so much credit for their ability to see through that stuff. Um, and you're also giving them credit to take the opportunity to, to move forward on something that's important. If you present it to them in a way that is engaging and compelling to them in an honest and authentic way. Yes. Yes. And it all comes down to the fact that, Though we're separated here, you know, by, by, by this, this technology and, and, and space, we aren't. We are we. You and I are one. We are all one. We are all part of this web. And, you know, if we want to tug on the web a little bit, you know, to, 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 to you know, send a little vibration to the next person, that's what we want to do. We want to, you know, we are, if you think of, if I think of you as me, then it's so much more easier to be compassionate and to be understanding and 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 you know if, if we have conflicting views to be able to try to find a bridge across those conflicting views right mm-hmm. instead of putting up these walls because I'm just arguing with myself right so I obviously don't want to you know get aggravated with myself I obviously don't want to harm myself I don't want to to be impolite to myself, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and I know it's not about me. It's about we, right. you know, we're, we are one. So if, if you look at you, look at your audience as you just talk to yourself. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's actually really interesting is that it's just make me, makes me think about politics <laughs> and I, I mean, and, and all other issues that are, are huge. Um, for me, anyway, I didn't, wasn't born having all the same opinions as I have right now. You know, I, I wasn't like brought into this world with a set of things that I think are good and true and right and have stuck with those things forever and ever. I've evolved on so many things and I've come to think different things about different issues. And I understand why people think differently than I do because I'm able to recognize okay, well, when I was, you know, younger or when I was taught this or that, this was my perspective and I get this perspective because I had it before. In some way, that's almost just taking, it helps me anyway to frame it this way because then I can am able to say like, okay, I understand you because I am you and because I see that I have the ability to change and adapt myself to new information or to seeing things from a different perspective. And I believe that you have that ability as well. Um, And that's what allows me to continue having what otherwise would be really contentious, irritating conversations on Facebook, for instance, (laughs) about, you know, Mm -hmm. politics. And we're in the middle of this insane election period here in the US that could be really volatile and really just agitating 
to people and, and we could have all kinds of hatred spewed all around. In fact, we do, unfortunately, but I do find it really valuable to be able to connect with people on that level and relate to them as, as myself, just like you're talking about. And that, and not even in an esoteric way, but in a very real tangible way, that's like, okay, I get it. Cause I, I've been here and not that my thing is better now because I've changed my mind about it, but because I would love to share my new perspective with you so that you can take it into consideration. And if you don't agree with me, you don't, and that's okay. And I still love you and care about you and see you as a valuable person who doesn't need to be shot down, you know, for not agreeing with me. Um, and that's, I think, also kind of a part of this, like creating safe space with with your messaging and with your marketing and with your copy is also sometimes creating safe space for people to have the opportunity to not do something that you want them to do or them to never really come along and understand what the issue is, but you're giving them the opportunity by putting it in front of them and sharing the mm -hmm. information with them in the best possible way. Most definitely. I'm going to share a little kind of parable. I, I, I just, I posted on Instagram the other day and it was kind of, observing we have an interesting view in Canada because we are so culturally similar but yet of course we're not voting there so we we, we do have some perspective on, on seeing the whole thing unfold mm -hmm. in, in the states and uh, I, I just came up with this idea it just came into my head is that you know if we have two left feet we just walk in circles and if we have two right feet we just walk in circles it takes a left foot and a right foot moving together to move forward. And I think that's, it's, it seems to be lost on politicians that, you know, they used to cooperate and come to consensus and build bridges and move forward together. But now there's just this, you know, left feet or right feet moving in circles and these circles are getting wider and wider and moving further and further apart from each other. So we need to start to learning to walk again. Yeah, we do. Together. We do. Absolutely. And I think the kind of uh, concept that you have for bringing people together in this way and in the, in the kind of format that you're talking about is one really good step in the right direction, step in the right direction, so to speak, you know, cause it is, it is bringing people together and eliminating the walls between us and creating those bridges instead of dams, you know, like you were saying and allowing us to start down a path together so that we're actually making progress on something in a way that's supportive and loving and um, whole. And complete so we're actually changing things instead of you know fighting about them or being in disagreement or you know finding some reason to hate someone else whether we call it that or not mm -hmm. it's, it's just selfishness is what it is you know mm -hmm. we need to be able to be selfless enough to understand another or at least empathize with another perspective even if it doesn't agree with us because you know most often we're not right either yeah. and we have to let go of that right we're, we're not there's no no person on the planet who's 100 percent right on everything you know you need that other perspective to add you know it, it's it's all about perspective is so important and, and 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 being able to see things from different perspectives you you start seeing the whole picture finally unravel otherwise you're just getting a sliver of it and if you surround your pe yourself by just people who agree with you, you're never going to get that perspective and see the whole truth in the whole picture. Mm -hmm. Sorry, that was a soapbox thing, wasn't it? Holy cow. <laughs> I may have brought up politics and stuff like that, so it's fine. We can have all the soapboxes we want. <laughs> um, whether people agree with us or not, bless them. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm curious, uh, David, if you have any other advice for people working in nonprofits or mission-based businesses um, or government agencies about how they can keep this kind of ethos alive in their work with communications. Um, would you have any kind of parting words of wisdom for them or things that you would really recommend that they do or think about in order to implement this type of, of work? Yeah, I think it's really important to work on the foundation of their brand of their living brand as it were mm. uh, I, I think it's really important to be able to impart you know core values and I, I and this is this could be another podcast about you know 
bringing a living brand to life. Mm. But I, I think uh, I've got a blog post they can access through the Facebook group. Okay. But it, it's about creating these living brands and then being able to impart those to successive individuals. Because I know you do a lot of work with succession planning. And I, I was actually um, talking about this with a, with a, a friend uh, who works a lot with nonprofits through her work. Uh, today and you know saying that you know every three or four years she has to re-educate the nonprofit on you know the the challenges they're going through as a contributor and donor so you know to be able to start creating this this compassionate um, being of a brand from the beginning so it, you can impart that to employees and as people move on you know this this brand still you know has has life and still breathes instead mm -hmm. of you know goes back to the you know the starting gate and comes out as a zombie monster again and you know <laughs> right gains a heart and the heart falls out when you <laughs> to the director you know we need to impart that from the beginning right into brand at the, at the very foundational level yeah. You know, it's, it's really interesting that you say that because I think, um, I, I don't know that I've heard this from people before, but I think it's true that your brand in the, at that basic level that you're talking about, that kind of heartbeat side of your living, breathing brand is also so completely related to your organizational culture as well. Uh, and that those two things are inextricably tied together. And if you are not intentional about either of them, that you can create this zombie type creature, whether it's on just the external side, how you're presenting or on the internal side. And if those things are not matching up and they're not honestly connecting, then you're, then it's easy to see that, you know, and it's easy to see through brands that are coming from a organization that has a culture that's broken or otherwise dysfunctional. And I think that's another like kind of interesting connection there. That's important to draw out as well. Mm -hmm. And I, I think if you really put it into the context of your audience, if you're always, always honoring your audience and that is a core brand value, then you know the, the the culture then becomes one of honoring audience instead of one of bickering with each other of how to best promote our agenda right, right. because there's so many different ways well i have a better way of you know getting people to understand our agenda or getting this message through it's if if, if it's all about your audience and honoring them and what they're going to need to be able to co-create with you then I think that conflict starts dissipating and that the, the, the you know, setting up this, this scenario for conflict starts dissipating. Right. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And I think if you're able to create the brand that reflects your values that way and contribute, you know, your content to them and your, your, um, you know, your thinking and your, your vision and all of that with people, then you'll attract the right people to your team as well. Like whatever that team looks like, whether it's volunteers or donors or just advocates in the community, you'll be able to show them who you are through that and then bring them in kind of like a, with your tractor beam of who you are <laughs> and of your brand so that they can get involved. And that's, I think, setting the stage for that kind of um, good communication as well. So that's Most cool. definitely. Awesome. Well, David, I really appreciate you being here today. I'm going to go ahead and um, give everybody who's listening to this the link to your Facebook page in the show notes and um, link them to that blog. So I'll go and try to find that and make sure that they get it, the one that you just mentioned. And, um, and then that way people can come and join your Facebook group and be a part of the conversation there um, and get more good stuff from you in that scenario. So I really appreciate you being here today. I think what you offer is so valuable and so important for us as nonprofits and in general as people in the world. Um, so I appreciate you. Thanks. Thank you so much, Ray. Yeah, absolutely. David had so many great things to offer us today, and I'm so glad that he was with us because the stuff that he had to share with us was all really useful and really actionable for our organizations and for our work in marketing and communications. I want to give you some of the tips that I think really stand out by way of creating safe space with copy because I, that's the big key here that I think is the most important thing. First, I'm going to go ahead and talk about his concept of pure intent with your audience or for your audience. 
I think this is such a big concept and that what he really is saying is that we give our audience credit for being completely um, smart and that we have their best interest in mind along with ours and that we recognize that we are connected to them and that they are able to make change on their own and that we can empower them to make the kind of change that we want to see in the world as well. Second, we want to talk about making the abstract concrete. What's the best way that you can help people understand the urgency and the reality of your issue and your cause? How can you help them to turn on their empathy when they're thinking about it and talking about it instead of allowing it to remain distant or otherwise abstract for them? Then framing the message for your audience. What will resonate with them? What will cause them to perk up and listen? What will cause them to shut down and not listen? How can you avoid those things and also highlight the things that are going to really work for them? We want to create that safe space so that we can create conversation and we can allow for opportunities of and instead of either or, which is also a really important point here. And we also want to enable people to say yes and be successful. So when uh, David was talking about the uh, work that he did with the women's shelter and talking about how he could, he was able to help create roads for people to go down. So they could do this, they could do that, but there were also there was also space for them to do something completely different, whatever it was that they thought would be helpful or that they could do um, within their purview. And that is a one way that it makes it easy for people to say yes because if they're empowered to make choices and do things on their own or with your help they're more likely to be successful and more likely to be engaged in what you're trying to accomplish. And then making the benefit to people tangible. So we're looking at how we can help people see that they're getting something out of it, that you're offering them something commensurate with the sacrifice they're making for your cause, whether that's through donation or volunteering or creating their own program or whatever it might be. And then converting with compassion. So avoiding manipulation, not using false scarcity, not using other tactics that don't respect the person on the receiving end of that. And then ultimately honoring people's efforts. So recognizing, but more than recognizing, truly honoring and calling attention to and celebrating what they've contributed to your cause and to making the world a better place in partnership with you. I want to remind you guys to go to David's Facebook page, Brands with Heart, and like it, and then join the Brands with Heart Facebook group. It's a great place full of really cool people who are all trying to make the world a better place and who are committed to having Brands with Heart, those living, breathing brands that bring our essence of our form of doing well and doing good in the world. So please uh, meet us over there, and uh, thanks again to David for being a part of today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for No Nonsense Nonprofit. Send us your thoughts about today's topic at our Facebook page, No Nonsense Nonprofit, on our blog, or by email to mail at nononsensenonprofit.com.